Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Make some noise, somebody. Make some noise. Like this, too. Amen. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Renee, for sharing your testimony. This is how you clap in the ASL right here. And uh, Pastor Renee is going to be sharing her testimony again tonight at our 430 service. Uh, many of our young adults go to our 430 service, and we want them to hear uh, Pastor Renee's uh, testimony to be encouraged to give their life to the Lord. Uh, but I will say this, uh, Pastor Renee, you are not just a pastor for the deaf community. You are our pastor. You are our pastor. You, they get to share you with us. We claiming you too in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Uh, I'm going to take a minute to get to Judges chapter 6, but just keep your finger on there. I'm gonna eventually going to read it. I want to uh, just thank everybody for your prayers for Pastor Raymond. Uh, Pastor Raymond, uh, along with Pastor Irene, uh, are in the hospital today. And he got, uh, uh, it's a different form of sickness. I don't, uh, I don't know what it was called, but... Um, the good news is that he is recovering and he's doing good. Amen. It's not COVID. Amen. It's not COVID. <laughs> Got to clarify that every now in this generation, right? Uh, but he is doing better. As you know, uh, Pastor Raymond got the miracle of a heart transplant over 10 years ago. And so just to be on the safer side, uh, they had to do tests, and the good news is uh, that he is doing well. And God willing, he will be home hopefully tomorrow maybe at the Lord. He's probably watching right now, so let's make some noise, Pastor Raven. We love you, Pastor Raven. Probably watching it right now. Man, there's cameras everywhere. They're always watching you. Stay focused, Pastor Raven. Write down some notes because I'm going to be preaching to you. Amen. Uh, if you've been with us for the last uh, several Sundays, you know that we've been teaching on this broad subject of spiritual warfare, and we are exposing the tactics of Satan uh, that he uses uh, against us, and we've been teaching on this invisible spiritual uh, warfare that's going on, that there is a a spiritual invisible warfare going on whether you realize it or not, right? We've been learning about this. And um, particularly, we've been talking about tearing down strongholds. We've been dealing with emotional and mental strongholds. And we're learning that strongholds are the way demons still mess up our lives even after they've been kicked out of our lives. Remember we learned that? How, like, how can a, a demon still mess up your life after he's been kicked out of your life. How can you be delivered from a demon but still messed up by a demon? The reason is that you dealt with the demon 
but you have not dealt with the stronghold that the demon left behind. Are you following along? So once we're saved, when we repent from our sins and call upon the mighty name of Jesus, uh, our names are written in heaven, we're saved, but now we got to be committed to the renewal process. There's a renewal process. And the reason why Jesus gets a bad rap in this world is because there's so many people that are saved, but very few people committed to the renewal process. They're saved people, but not renewed people. And so Christianity gets a bad rap. Jesus gets a bad rap. is because people want salvation, but they don't want renewal. Renewal is a process that takes time and commitment. And a huge part of our renewal process is identifying and destroying strongholds that the enemy has set up in our mind. That's part of the renewal process is identifying and pulling down strongholds. We've learned that 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Someone say strongholds. Another translation says to pulling down strongholds, right? And we learned that that word stronghold is an image of a fortress. It's a fortress. And so we're learning, we're getting insight into what strongholds are. And we learned that a stronghold is a fortress of lies built in our minds that produces bad decisions. That's a, a stronghold. It's a fortress of lies. When we fall for the lie of the devil, those lies build up in our mind and they become a fortress uh, and then they produce bad decisions. Are you following along? We learn that a stronghold is an unhealthy mindset that keeps one in the cycle of bondage. It's an unhealthy mindset. We learn uh, that the enemy wants to keep us in a cycle of bondage. So you, you get people that have been delivered and they're excited. They've been delivered, but then three months they go back to the vomit that Jesus delivered them from. How does that happen? It's because they dealt with the demon, but not the stronghold. They're still thinking in an unhealthy manner and it's, and it's affecting their walk with the Lord. And so I want to remind you that you don't have to be up and down in your Christianity. I want to remind you that you could serve the Lord for 30 years without backsliding. You could serve the Lord for 40 years without backsliding. You ain't got to serve the Lord for three months and then backslide for three years. You could serve the Lord with consistency because when we deal with them strongholds, it sets us free to make the right decisions. Well, what is a stronghold? It is a lie, a misconception or an exaggeration firmly planted in our minds that hinders us. This is big. This is part of the strategy of the devil. He plants exaggerations in our minds, and when we accept that exaggeration, it hinders our life. So you hear that your job is laying off people, but then five minutes later, you visualize yourself without a home, with no money, walking down the street homeless. What is that? That's an exaggeration. It's an exaggeration. Or the enemy plants exaggerations in our mind against one another. That's big right there. 
That's a big part of spiritual warfare where the enemy plants an exaggeration in your mind against your Christian brother or your Christian sister, and now you start looking at them through skeptical eyes. Is anybody following along? You start looking at them with skeptical eyes, and now uh, they're, 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 they're bad in your eyes. And there are many different emotional strongholds. Emotional strongholds come in all different shapes and sizes. There is the stronghold of doubt. There is the stronghold of rejection. That's a big thing right there. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But many people suffer from the stronghold of rejection. And oftentimes it comes into our life when we're small. When we're small, a a parent may leave us or our parents might get divorced and we think that we're never going to see our dad again or maybe you don't see your dad again or you don't see your mom again and that opens the window to the stronghold of rejection and next thing you know that ruins your entire life. I remember I was the subject of a long and bitter custody battle. My mom and dad were never married and since I was a little kid they fought in the courts over custody of me. And they would send me, the judges, to psychologists and evaluations. And depending upon what the judge said, he would order me to live with my dad or he would order me to live with my mom. And I remember one time, I was about 10 years old, they took me to downtown Los Angeles. And uh, the judge ordered me to live with my dad. He, he gave my dad custody over me. But in my 10-year-old mind, I didn't understand what that meant. In my 10-year-old mind, I thought I would never see my mom again. I thought in my mind I would never see my mom again. And I remember I felt the feelings of rejection. I felt the feelings of rejection. And if I didn't eventually deal with those feelings of rejection, it would still hinder my relationships today. Are you following along? So there are many different types of of strongholds. There is the stronghold of pride. Uh, There's a stronghold of stubbornness. Uh, There's the victim mentality, right? Somebody took advantage of you. Now you look at everybody through them lenses. Uh, There's the stronghold of defeatism. Uh, And last week, we, we aimed our spiritual missiles at the stronghold of insecurity. Man, we bombarded uh, the, the, the stronghold of insecurity in a lot of people's minds. We chipped away at the stronghold of insecurity. We threw some bombs, spiritual bombs at the walls of insecurity. We knocked down some bricks off of the uh, fortress of insecurity. And insecurity is so prevalent amongst Christians uh, that today I, I, I want to I wanna, I wanna tear down some more bricks in the fortress of insecurity. Today I want us to come back to the subject of insecurity and I'm praying that, that, that the power of the Lord begins to uh, blow up some bricks, some more bricks and, and destroy some layers in the, in the wall of insecurity. Now As we prepare to read Judges chapter 6, it tells us the story of a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon lived uh, at a time where the people of God forsook God and they begin to worship other gods. And because of their disobedience, uh, the devil came into their lives through the people of the Midianites 
And the Midianites begin to oppress God's people. The Midianites, they represent the devil's power over the life of God's people when they start to disobey God. And for seven years, the Midianites oppressed the people of God. Now, it's very interesting to note that, that, that the devil waits for us to live a life of disobedience so that he can come into our life and he could oppress our life. The enemy waits until you disobey God. He, he le leads you to disobey God because a life of a disobedience leads to demonic oppression in our life. And Satan seeks to oppress God's people. And remember we learned last week that oppression shackles us down. Remember last week, we learned about being shackled. Uh, remember last week, I told you that at one time in my life, uh, because of my disobedience, uh, they shackled me up, and I was shackled at my uh, wrist. I was shackled at my waist. I was shackled at my, uh, uh, my, my ankles. And remember we learned, uh, you know how you walk when you're shackled? Remember we learned the way that you walk when you're shackled is slowly. Remember we learned? You can't really walk when you're shackled. You're slowed down when you're shackled. And so you look at the individual and say, man, you've been saved for 10 years and you're still wrestling with that sin? Why is that? Man, you've been saved for 20 years and you still don't have a prayer life? Why is that? Remember we learned how you defend yourself when you're shackled? You can't defend yourself when you're shackled. You can't extend your hands to defend yourself when you're shackled. So the enemy waits or leads you into disobedience so he can shackle you down so you have no way to fight him back. You have no way to defend yourself. But thanks be to the Lord God Almighty for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible says that in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the power and the Holy Spirit who went around doing good and healing all those were, who were oppressed by the devil. That's the power of Jesus in our life, to break the shackles. You remember Mary, Mary, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. I just want to pray. Oh, I wish I could sing somebody. So, so God called this man by the name of Gideon to deliver his people. And what's fascinating is when Gideon hears the call of God, immediately he gets hit with insecurity. Soon as he hears the call of God, insecurity sticks its head out. That's an interesting note right there because... Insecurity will lay dormant in your life until you start hearing the call of God for your life. Oh, yeah. Insecurity will lay dormant in your life. But the moment you start feeling that God has called you for something bigger and better, the moment you start sensing a calling of God upon your life, all of a sudden insecurity will try to shackle you down. And so we're learning about what is insecurity. We learned last week that insecurity is the lie that you are incomplete. We learned that insecurity is the lie that you lack what it takes. We learned that insecurity is the lie that you're not good enough. What is insecurity? 
It is a lie that you are incomplete. It is a lie that you lack what it takes. It is the lie that you are not good enough. Now, let me remind us, okay, just at, at the onset of this, that apart from Jesus, we are incomplete. I want to remind us, I want to start this off, but just remind us that apart from Jesus, we do lack what it takes. Apart from Jesus, we are not good enough. But I'm saved by the, by the blood of Jesus. I'm delivered uh, by the blood of Jesus. So in Jesus, we are good enough. In Jesus, we have what it takes. In Jesus, I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. In Jesus, the power that rose Jesus from the dead resides inside of me. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside. In Jesus, we got what it takes. But the moment we start to respond to the call of God, the spirit of insecurity tries to knock us back down. And it's interesting because insecurity manifests in different ways depending upon your character and personality. It's not one size fit all. Insecurity manifests itself in different ways depending upon your character and personality. In some, insecurity manifests in trying to dominate everything, trying to control everything. Ever met somebody like that? Always got to dominate the conversation. Always got to control the situation. Don't look at your spouse. Just continue to look at me. Focus on me. In others, insecurity manifests itself in being hesitant, complacent, and doubtful. In some, insecurity manifests by thinking you're better than others or you need to compete with others. Have you ever met a brother who's always trying to compete with you? Always trying to run faster than you? Always trying to swim faster than you? Always trying to dress nicer than you? Always trying to have a better haircut than you? Hello, somebody? It may be insecurity. In others, insecurity manifests in feelings that you are less than others and that you are lower than others. So it manifests in different ways according to your personality. In some, you got to humble yourself before the hands of the Lord and stop trying to control uh, every situation. In others, you need to humble yourself to the promises of God in your life that you are somebody in Christ Jesus. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. So it manifests itself in different, different areas. I want us to learn today um, from Gideon's experience with insecurity. I want us to learn uh, today from his fight with insecurity because... Ultimately, Gideon goes to fight the Midianites. God calls him to fight the Midianites, but there was a pre-fight before the fight. There's always a pre-fight before the fight. Because before Gideon could fight the Midianites, he had to fight insecurity. Before Gideon could fight physically the Midianites, he had to fight insecurity to fight the real fight. The problem is we lose the pre-fight. We never show up to the real fight. The problem is many of us never show up to the real fight because we lost the pre-fight. I'm trying to get you to win the pre-fight so that you can finally show up to the real fight and take your life back in the name of Jesus. Let's turn up the monitors on this mic a little bit. But we're going to learn um, how he got insecurity. We're going to learn how it manifested in his life. We're going to learn how God dealt with the insecurity in his life. So... Um, remember, you're going to deal with insecurity. If you ever rise up to God's calling, 
if you ever go to fulfill God's dream for your life, you're going to be like Gideon, and you're going to be faced with insecurity. So we're going to learn how to, how to destroy this thing right now in the name of Jesus. So Je Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read, just follow along uh, in your mind. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Someone say strongholds. So it's interesting that it uses this word stronghold because we're studying on stronghold, right? And in this context, this stronghold was a physical cave that the enemy pushed them into. So it's a physical cave. But I also believe that it's pointing also to an emotional cave that the enemy pushed them into. The enemy didn't just push them into a physical cave, but the enemy pushed them into an emotional cave that we're going to see leaks out in the life of Gideon. So turn to verse 7. Skip to verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Someone say prophet. Who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of Egyptians. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you, and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will live, but you have not listened to me. Someone say, ouch. Wow. I got the sense today. And I'm going to continue reading in a moment. But I got the sense today that God didn't just tell this to Gideon some 3,000 years ago. But I got the sense today that he's also saying this to somebody today. I get the sense that he's saying this to somebody today. So I'm going to slow down and I'm going to read that passage of scripture again and just let the word do its work. But I don't want you to hear it. From the position that God said it to Gideon some 3,000 years ago. I want you to hear it from the position that God it may be saying it to you today. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Turn to, back to verse 7. Let me read it again. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian. He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Here it is. Here's the word. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. Has God delivered anybody? Has God ever turned around the plan of the enemy in your life? Has anybody ever tried to connive you and backstab you and had a plan to take you down, but God had his hand upon you? He said, I drove them out before you and gave you their land. You know, I promoted you. I kicked people out. I fired people just because of you. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Wow. Shelah. I want to give you a side note just real fast. I want you to notice the prophet shows up. 
And he does not tell them the future. I want you to notice that the prophet shows up. And what he does is he reminds them of, of what God already said. Did you see that in the, in the scripture? The prophet doesn't show up and tell him something that's going to happen in the future per se. He doesn't come and foretell him. But the prophet, here, the prophet reminds him of what God already said. Here's a sidebar. One of the main functions of a prophet is to get you to cling back to God. To remind you that it is God is your source. God is your blessing. God is all you need. So when you, when you experience the voice of prophecy, by and large, it's always telling you, you better cling on to God. You better not forget God. You better make sure it's God that's telling you what you're trying to do. You better not just run out ahead of God. You better make sure you pray. You better make sure you're listening to God. Verse 11. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joaz the Abrazite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, and let, let me, I, I, I'm kind of getting distracted, but I'm going to come back. I'm going to give you another side note, all right? I need you to see this. It's very interesting. I, I need you to see how God, because this is God, the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. The angel of the Lord is Jesus before Christmas. Every once in a while in the Old Testament, Jesus would show himself to somebody. It's called a theophany or a Christophany, right? So God shows up to Gideon, and I want you to notice that God shows up to Gideon while he is working. Sheila. You will be surprised at how many people in the Bible God calls them while they are working. You would be surprised. God called Elijah while he was working. God called Peter. You know what Peter was doing when Jesus called him? He was working. What's the point, Brian? Get a job. You know how I got here right here? I'm taking a sidebar. I'm probably going to go back. You know how I got to where I'm at right now? Do you know how I got, I'm talking about literally got to the place. I'm right here speaking to you. You know how I got to this place? I was working at LAX at a job that I did not like. And I sat down in that job. And I was answering phone calls. I was answering phone. I don't like to answer no phone. I was answering phone calls. And one day, a pastor called my work by mistake. By mistake. One day while I was working, not making a lot of money, kind of frustrated because I wanted to be out there preaching the gospel. I wanted to be out there around the world traveling. But my mentor told me, he said, you better stay faithful to your place and God will rise you up in your place so I bit my tongue I bit my tongue I said okay I'm gonna sit here I'm gonna answer these phone calls I'm gonna answer these phone calls and one day by mistake a pastor from Long Beach called me up six months later it was history that pastor's pastor hired me to start Chapel of Change I'm here 
I'm here because I want to work one day. Hey, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to. That's not in my note. I got to stay focused. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Look how, look how Gideon responds. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Get this phrase. This is powerful. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the land of Midian or the hand of Midian. <gasps> what? I don't know if you got this. I don't know if you picked this up. That brother accused God of doing something he did not do. He said, he's talking to God, the pre-incarnate Christ. This is the God who left heaven to sit down by a tree to talk to this brother. He left heaven. God left heaven to sit down by a tree and to call this brother out of the cave he was hiding from. And he had the nerve to accuse God of something he did not do. He said, why have you abandoned me? Listen, God did not abandon them. They abandoned God. They abandoned God through their disobedience. God did not abandon them. See, this is what insecurity will have you doing. The enemy will come and try to flip the script, and he'll reverse it on you. He'll have you thinking the complete opposite of what's really going down. Can you see that in Gideon? Somehow or another, he allowed the enemy in his mind to flip the script. And he was thinking the complete opposite of what was really happening. God did not abandon them. They abandoned God. And on the contrary, God left heaven and sat up underneath that tree to call that brother out. Got to be careful of this spiritual warfare. Serious business. Satan talked one-third of the angels out of heaven. That dude could talk a wolf off a meat truck. You better stop listening to him. You better stop listening to him. If he could talk one-third of the angels to fight against God, how much more can he talk you into doing something that you ain't supposed to be doing? Turn back to the scripture. I'm almost done. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him. I love that. That's a picture of God's mercy because God could have zapped him. Y'all know you zapped somebody who falsely accused you of something. You, you got an attitude when that person falsely accused you of something. You remember that? You snapped in Z formation. God turned to him. That's a picture of his mercy and his grace. He could have zapped him. What are you talking about? Blaming me for something I didn't do? You're out of here. No. So the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Listen to, I'm almost done. Listen to his response. Verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Here's the last verse, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will. I like that. I will, and you will strike down all the Midianites leaving none alive. So, 
Let's think about how insecurity entered into Gideon's life. Let's think about how it manifested itself. Let's think of how God began to tear down the wall of insecurity. Let me just lay a couple things at your feet. The first thing that I would suggest is that insecurity is built up by listening to the wrong voice. It's built up. How, how does it enter into your life? By and large, insecurity enters through the window of the wrong voice. It enters through the window of the wrong voice. I see this in verse 10 where God tells them, you have not listened to me. That's what God tells them. You have not listened to me. You stop listening to me. You turn your ears from me. And whenever you turn your ears from God, you open up your ears to a demon. Whenever you turn your ears from God, you open up your ears to the world. Whenever you shut your ears to God, you open up your ears to the flesh. And let me tell you some demons, the world, and the flesh don't have any uh, 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 favor for your life. And when you open yourself up to the wrong voice, it, it, it builds strongholds in our life. That's why Jesus said in, Ma in uh, Mark 4, he said, pay close attention to what you hear. Pay close attention. And, and listening to the wrong voice, my brothers and sisters, will cost you dearly. It will cost you dearly. If you give in to the voice of insecurity, we'll, 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 we won't pursue our calling. If we give in to the voice of insecurity, we'll live in a, a state of perpetual fear. If we give in to the voice of insecurity, it will sabotage our dreams. When I think about the cost of insecurity, I think about King Saul, the first king of Israel. This brother was the tallest man in the nation. He was handsome. He was strong. He had money. He had power. He had fame. Yet he still bowed down to the spirit of insecurity, and it cost him his kingdom. It cost him his kingdom. He says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Here it is. Here's the insecurity. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. That's the insecurity right there. I gave in to them. That brother was the tallest in the nation. He was handsome. He had money. He had power. He had fame. Yet he still bowed down to the spirit of insecurity, and it cost him his kingdom. It cost him his kingdom. Listen, that's why it's so important that you got to turn up the voice of God in your life and simultaneously turn down the voice of the world in your life. Listen, you got you to you turn uh, up the voice of God in your life and you got to turn down the voice of the world in your life. I would encourage you to do evaluation. Do an evaluation of your life. Where, how is the voice of God entering into your life through the week? Better be more than just on Sundays. It better be more than just on Sundays. Where is the voice of God entering into your life throughout the week? And wherever you find it, you better turn it up. You better turn it up. Where is the voice of the world entering into your life? Where is it entering your life? Is it entering your life through your radio? Is it entering your life through your phone? Is it entering your life through your computer? Wherever the voice of the world is entering in your life, you better turn it down. You better turn it down because the more you listen to the wrong voice, the more it builds insecurity in our life. God said in Isaiah 55, 
He said, come to me with your ears wide open, and get this, I and you will find life. So insecurity is built up by listening to the wrong voice, but additionally, insecurity is built up by comparing. It's built up by comparing. I, I see this in verse 15, Gideon's response. Listen to what he tells God. He says, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. Listen to what he says. He says, my family is the weakest in the area. What is he doing? What does that reveal to us? What does that statement reveal to us? Well, here it is. He's comparing his family with other families. He's comparing his family with other families. He's falling for the comparison trap. He's falling for the comparison trap. Oh, nobody in my family got a college degree, therefore I cannot get a college degree. Nobody in my family ever been married one time over the span of 10 years, therefore I cannot be married one time over the span of 10 years. He's falling for the comparison trap. And insecurity is built up in the mind that constantly compares. Insecurity is built up in the mind that constantly compares, and we need to be careful because uh, comparison kills contentment. Comparison kills contentment. Comparison leaves us in pride. Comparison leaves us jealous. In Psalms 37, verse 10, it says, uh, verse 7, it says, do not fret when people succeed. Do not fret when people succeed. We don't stress over someone else's success. We don't stress over someone else's success. God wants you to count your blessings, not covet somebody else's blessings. He wants you to count your blessings, not covet someone else's blessings. And let me, let me just talk like family this afternoon because if there was ever a generation that has been tempted to compare each other, it is our generation. It's our generation. You know why? Because of the advent of social media. We got to be careful. With the advent of social media, the spirit of insecurity through comparison is knocking on our door every single day. You know why? You know why? Because of social media, I go with you wherever you go. Because of social media, I'm looking you eat your dinner. Y'all taking pictures of your burritos and steak. And because of social media, I'm going on vacation with y'all. I'm in, I'm in Puerto Rico with y'all. I'm in Mexico with y'all. I'm looking at the hotel you guys stay in. Because of uh, social media, I'm looking at the mall you go to, the clothes you wear, the car you drive. And deep down, if we talk like family, some of us are saying, man, I wish I had some of that. I wish I had some of that. We've got to be careful because comparison feeds insecurity. It feeds insecurity. Listen, my brothers and sisters, be inspired by people, but don't copy people. Be inspired by people, but don't copy people. Be inspired uh, by people. Be encouraged by people, but don't copy people. Don't copy people. Don't be a, a copycat of someone else's life. Don't covet other people's life. You bring, be glory, you bring glory to God by being who God has called you to be. I share with emerging leaders uh, regularly uh, that are in ministry. I share with them, listen, you don't want to be me. 
You don't want to be me. No, 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 you don't want to be me. Because, uh, see, see, what you see right now is just the tip of the iceberg. If you know what an iceberg is, only the tip is outside of the water. Most of it is underneath the water. You don't want to be me. See, what you see right now is just the tip. You, you weren't there when I was in a one-man cell all by myself crying out to God like the children of Israel. You weren't there when, when, when I was feeling rejected and lonely and cuffed up in shackles. I tell you the story about shackles, but you weren't there. You, you, you don't want to be me. So you be you and allow God to bless you by you being you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So insecurity is built up by comparing, but also insecurity is built up by seeing with natural eyes. Seeing with natural eyes. I get this in verse 15 when Gideon says, I am the least in my family. He says, I am the least in my family. What does that reveal to us? Well, he's looking at himself through his natural eyes. When he says to God, I'm the least in my family, what does it reveal to us? He's looking at himself through his natural ability. He's looking at himself through his natural ability. And this indicates um, spiritual, a lack of spiritual perception. We need to be careful, my brothers and sisters, because whenever God chiefly speaks into our life, whenever God calls our life, by and large, God's calling contradicts our current reality. God doesn't call you based on your current reality. He calls you based on your destiny that hasn't manifested yet. So whenever you hear the calling of God, if you're not able to see through the eyes of faith, you will grow bewildered. You will have a meltdown because God doesn't speak to you according to your current reality. He speaks to you according to your destiny that is not manifested yet. And so if all you do is look through your natural abilities, you're not going to answer the call of God. If all you do is look through your natural eye, you're not going to be obedient to God. Because all you're going to see is your problem. All you're going to see is your condition. All you're going to see is your lack of money, your lack of strength, your lack of opportunity. But God sees you according to your destiny. And he speaks to you that in that regard. That's why it's so important. For us to learn to look through the eyes of faith. It's so important for us to learn to look through the eyes of the Spirit. Well, that's why one of my first scriptures I ever memorized was 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That says we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith. That's the Spirit man. That, that, that's the Spirit man. We live by faith, not by sight. What is sight? That's the five senses. Senses. That's whatever we could touch, whatever we could feel, whatever we could hear. We don't live by that. We live by faith. We look by faith. And so let me remind you, what is true is not always the truth. Let me remind you, what is true is not always the truth. Listen, it was true that Gideon was the least of his family. It was true that he was the youngest of his family. But the truth about him was that he was a mighty warrior as God said he was. It was true that he was the least of his family, but the truth about him was that he was a mighty warrior as God said he was. Listen, it may be true that you messed up, but you're not a mess up. 
It may be true that you failed, but you're not a failure. See, what is true is not always the truth. Your current reality doesn't define you. Gideon's current reality didn't define him. God defines you. God's promises define you. And that's how we begin to tear down the strongholds in our life. We tear down the strongholds in our life with the promises of God. With the promises of God. This is what God begins to do with Gideon in verse 16. Look how God answers Gideon's response. He says this. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. Listen to this. We tear down the strongholds or insecurity with the promises of God. What did God do? How did God get Gideon to overcome the insecurity? Here it is. He gave him a promise. He gave him a promise. He said, I will be with you. You will strike down the Midianites. I love this. God says, because I will, you will. Because I will, you will. Because I'm moving, you will survive. Because I'm working, you will endure. Because my hand is upon you, you will overcome. I will, you will. I will, you will. It's like a divine dance. God moves, we move. God moves, we move. The problem is, is when we step on God's toes. See, the promises of God are powerful. The promises of God will help you pull down the problems in your life. Do you have a problem in your life? Well, listen, there is a promise for every problem that you have. There's a problem or a promise for every problem that you have. And it's your responsibility to dig into the Word of God. It's your responsibility to find the promise that God gives you covering your problem. And don't just read the promises. Feed yourself on the promises. Don't just read the promises, feed on the promises. See, some of us are just reading, and the next level is to start feeding on the promises. Because remember, the Word of God is spiritual food. Uh, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live off bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So don't just read, feed yourself on the promises of God. And remember... What you feed yourself with affects your feelings. What you feed yourself affects your feelings. You remember Adam and Eve? They, they fed themselves with the wrong thing. Once they fed themselves with the wrong thing, they started feeling the wrong thing. They started feeling like they were ashamed. And that's led them to reach out of the will of God and pull the leaves into their life, thinking the leaves were going to make them whole, thinking the leaves were going to make them feel better. But it started with feeding themselves on the wrong thing, which affected their feelings, which caused them to reach outside of the word or will of God for your life. Listen, if I ate McDonald's, if I fed myself McDonald's for breakfast and lunch, I would feel yucky. Anybody agree with that? I would feel yucky. So if you want to change the way you feel, change the way you feed. Ooh, that's a word from God right there. If you want to change the way you feel, change the way you feed. Don't just read the promises of God. Feed the promises of God. And here's the last one that I just want to remind us about. I brought this last week. I'm going to bring it back today. We tear down the strongholds 
or we tear down insecurity with your new identity. Tear down insecurity with your new identity. Now, I want to call your attention. Pay, pay attention to what I'm about to say. I want to point something out. In verse 12, look at what God calls Gideon. In verse 12, God calls Gideon mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Now, remember, Gideon is in a cave. Gideon is afraid. He's hiding. In verse 12, God calls him mighty warrior. In the New Living Translation, God calls him mighty hero. Mighty hero. The New King James Version says mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. You know what valor means? Valor means competent. It means brave. Someone say brave. Now I want you to get this because Gideon is scared, but God doesn't call him fearful. He calls him brave. Did you catch that? I want you to get this. Gideon is hiding, but God doesn't call him a coward. He calls him brave. Did you catch that? I'm going to say it again. Gideon is scared, but God doesn't call him fearful. He calls him brave. Gideon is hiding, but God doesn't call him a coward. God calls him brave. In effect, God tells Gideon, let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Before you start to fulfill my purpose for your life, let me tell you who you are. Before you begin to fight the devil off of your life, let me tell you who you are. That's what God told him. Let me tell you who you are. I don't see you the way the world sees you. I don't see you the way Satan sees you. I don't see you the way your family sees you. I don't see you the way you even see yourself. Let me tell you who you are. Before you do anything, you need to figure out who you are in Christ Jesus. And so the question before us today with that truth is that are you going to believe what God says about you? Or are you going to believe what the world says about you? That's the question. Are you going to believe what God says about you or are you going to believe what Satan says about you? My Bible says in Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Don't live out of the labels the world tries to put on you. Don't accept the labels Satan tries to put on you. If you're not careful, the world will try to label you. And if you accept that label, you will live out of that label. You will be a wife according to that label. You'll be a husband according to that label. But I want to remind somebody, the only one that can put a label on something is the maker or the owner of that something. The only one that can put a label on something is the maker or the owner of that something. You can't put your own label on your Nike shoes. You can't put your own label on your Nike shoes. You can't put your own label on your polo shirt. You can't just cut something out and put your own label on that. No, you will go to jail. Why is that? Because the only one that has naming rights, the only one that has power to put a label on something is the maker or 
owner of that something. Don't accept the labels of the world. God reminded me of this just the other day. Uh, last Friday, my daughter, youngest daughter, turned nine years old. Sophia turned nine years old. And my wife and I, um, we bought her uh, a rabbit. She wanted a rabbit for her birthday. And so my wife and I bought her a rabbit and I went and picked up the rabbit and something happened when I took the rabbit home. Something happened spontaneously. I mean, it just automatically happened. As soon as I put the rabbit on the bed, all of a sudden, everybody started to try to name the rabbit. Nobody asked them for their opinion. Nobody asked them, what do you think the name should be? There was just something spontaneous that took place when we put the rabbit down and we begin to look at the rabbit. Everybody tried to give their opinion of what the name of the rabbit should be. And so her older brother Nathaniel said, we're going to name the rabbit Winter. Winter is going to be the name. And then her older sister said, no, we're going to name the rabbit Snowy. That's going to be the name. And everybody tried to name the rabbit. I even got pulled into this phenomenon. I, I got pulled into this phenomenon. My name was my name was the best. The name I, I said, we're gonna name it Bun Bun. That's what we're gonna need. We're gonna name it Bun Bun. So I got pulled into this phenomenon. The reality is that at the end of the day, the only one who had the right. To name that bunny was the owner of that bunny, Sophia. And so I want to remind somebody today that God is not just your maker, but he is your owner. I want to remind somebody today, he's not just your owner, he's your creator. He's your redeemer. He's your savior. I want to remind somebody today that God is your healer. He is your strength. He is your maker. Hallelujah. And your maker says, you are strong in Christ. Your maker says, you are competent in Christ. Your maker says, you are forgiven in Christ. Your maker says, you are competent in Christ. You are valuable in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. You are blessed in Christ. You are accepted in Christ. You are loved in Christ. You are favored in Christ. You are the head and not the tail. Your maker says, your maker has a label for you. You are special in the eyes of God. Somebody repeat after me. I'm blessed in Jesus. I'm blessed in Jesus. I'm whole in Jesus. I'm complete in Jesus. I'm favored in Jesus. I'm loved in Jesus. I'm accepted in Jesus. 
I'm special in Jesus. I'm forgiven in Jesus. I'm redeemed in Jesus. I'm valuable in Jesus. I'm empowered in Jesus. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. Praise the Lord like you believe him. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to encourage us. Let's bow our heads before the presence of the Lord this afternoon. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord this afternoon. I believe that the Lord has spoken this afternoon. I believe the Lord has spoken his word this afternoon. And I believe that we have detonated a Holy Spirit bomb on the side of some walls of insecurity. I believe that we have detonated some, some, some spiritual bomb on the walls of insecurity. I believe that there's some bricks that are falling down. I believe in that there's some dust that is, that is coming up in the air uh, because that wall is coming down. That wall is coming down. That wall is coming down in Jesus' name. The walls of insecurity are coming down in Jesus' name. Walls of insecurity. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Father God, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, help us to see us with your eyes. Oh, Lord God, help us to look through your eyes. Oh, Lord God. Help us to live out of the labels you put on us. Oh, Father God, in Jesus' name, right now, Lord. In the power of the name of Jesus, I, I, I rip off the labels of the world off people today, Father God. Oh, Lord God, if you need God to live, rip off a label that the world is trying to put on, lift up your hand unto the Lord and just, just, just prophetically, we're just going to just in the name of Jesus, we're, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we rip off the labels of the world. We rip off the labels of Satan right now in the name of Jesus. We lift off the label, Lord God, of failure. We lift off the label of, Father God, broken right now. We lift off the label of dumb right now in Jesus name somebody try to label you with dumb when you were little someone try to put the label of dumb on you and God is is ripping off that label right now God is ripping off that label right now in Jesus name in Jesus name Lord the name of Jesus we rip off the label we rip it off right now Rip off the label of rejection. Somebody experienced a divorce. And that label of rejection is trying to stick to your mind. Just lay your, head, lay your hand on your head right now in the name of Jesus. And just in the name of Jesus, just, just declare, I, I rip off that label of rejection right now. Some of you are in a relationship with somebody and they, 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 the relationship went sour and now you, you picked up a, a spirit of rejection and it's affecting your decisions. We rip off that label of rejection right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, we rip off that label of rejection right now. We are not rejected. We are accepted. We are not rejected. We are accepted right now in the name of Jesus. Some of us are ripping off the, the label of fearful. Ripping off the label of fearful right now. You're living in fear. 
you're living in fear. You're making your decisions based on fear. I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Some of you, the spirit stronghold of fear because something messed up. Something messed up. Something messed up. And now that stronghold of fear is trying to hold you back from walking in the new season that God has for your life. Right now in the name of Jesus, we, lift up, we, we rip off that label of fear. Right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we receive from you. We receive from you, O oh Lord God. We receive. And Father, we're committed to walk in our new identity. We're committed. Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. I want to remind some of us today that when we go home, we got to turn up the voice of God in our life. You can't just listen to the voice of God on a Sunday. You got to figure out ways to funnel the voice of God in your life every day. You got to figure out ways to funnel that voice of God. Turn it up. Turn it up. Amplify. 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 Simultaneously, you need to turn down the voice of the world. Turn down the voice of the world. Some of y'all need to go this week. You need to evaluate your life and figure out how the devil is sneaking into your life through a, a voice that doesn't belong there. And you need to shut the window on that voice. You need to turn down the voice of the world. I'm telling you, if you turn down that voice, your identity will grow stronger. Your identity will grow stronger. Father, I pray for everybody here today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live in insecurity. We thank you, Lord, that you are tearing down the strongholds of insecurity in our life. And, Father, we are grateful. And, Lord, we are determined to walk in the freedom that you give us. Psalms 3.3 says, The Lord is my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. The Lord is the shield, my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Father, we are committed to walk that out. In the name of Jesus, we are whole. In the name of Jesus, we are complete. In the name of Jesus, we have what it takes. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. God is good all the time. Amen. Did you learn something today? Anybody learn something today? Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is setting a lot of us free, and we're walking into lands of freedom, more areas of freedom. And so we're going to transition right now to get an opportunity to respond to the grace of God upon our life uh, with a sacrifice. We're going to give everybody an opportunity to respond to God through our giving. I want to call up the ushers up forward as we prepare to give, uh, and I want to remind us uh, that if you're part of Chapel of Change, this month we're bringing a first fruit sacrifice unto the Lord. Uh, we're giving the Lord back off the top of what he's blessed us with in January. And we're believing that as we prioritize God, prioritize God in our finances, he will set 
the rest of the year in order with our finances. Anybody need God to set your finances in order? Amen. We believe as we prioritize God in our finances, He will set our finances in order. So as you prepare to give, there are several ways you can give. You can give in person today through an envelope. You can give online at chaplachange.org. You can give through a text. You go to our webpage, get the number. Uh, if you want to give through a debit card today after service in the lobby, uh, you can give through a debit card. Also, let's put the scan to give. I encourage you to try this at least one time. See how it works. You put your phone app to that scan, and it takes you directly to the link to give. So you know that God loves you when he gives you options. Amen? God gives us options. So a couple announcements to make. Um, don't forget that we have membership seminar coming up. Amen? If you've been here a couple months already, I encourage you uh, to be a part of the membership seminar uh, that is going on. I also, we have baptisms coming up. If you haven't been water baptized, that is your first step of obedience. Sign up in the lobby. Get water baptized. I also want to remind you that our Kingsman Discipleship Gathering, not this Monday night, but the following Monday night at our Carson campus, it's a dinner, it's worship, and all our campus pastors are going to be there speaking that night. So all men, I'm encouraging you, not this Monday night, but the following Monday night. I also want to encourage you that our annual Women's Abide Conference is happening. It is happening in February, just a couple weeks from now. Our annual conferences um, is unique in that this is the opportunity where hundreds of women from Southern California are going to converge upon Chapel of Change, and we get to share uh, the, the portion of the Holy Spirit that God has given us. We get to share it with the world. So it's not necessarily us ministering to each other, although you're going to get something out of that, but it's Chapel of Change giving to the women that are across Southern California. So I want to encourage you to help out. If you can volunteer that day, get with Pastor Sandy. Give it up for Pastor Sandy right there. Volunteer, get with Pastor Sandy. We're going to need your help on that day. So I encourage you to do that. Also, I wanted to let you know that we have a marriage discipleship group every Friday at our Carson location. If you're a married couple and you want to be ministered to as a couple every Friday night at our Carson location, uh, you're invited to attend that group as well. And don't forget, we have service on Saturday nights at 5 p.m. in the city of Whittier. So if you ever want to worship the Lord on a Saturday night, uh, go to our Whittier campus. I remember someone called me up several times throughout the years. They say, um, um, what do you think about worshiping the Lord on Saturday or Sunday? Like, what is your, what do you guys do over there? Do you worship the Lord on Saturday or Sunday? And to my answer is, we worship the Lord every single day. Hello, somebody at Chapel of Change. There's options almost every single day to worship the Lord at Chapel of Change. So you ain't going to have an excuse when you get to heaven. You ain't going to have an excuse. God's going to call me up on some of y'all because some of y'all are going to say, well, I didn't have enough time. I was working this night. I was working on this night. And listen, I think God is going to say, hold up. Let me call Pastor Brian. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen, but I just think so. And I'm going to come up there. If it's possible, it may not be possible, probably not possible. But in my sanctified imagination, I'm going to go, well, God, we had 50 million services. So let's pray over the offering. We'll collect the offering, and I'll come back and dismiss with a blessing. Father God, we thank you for the ability to give. 
We worship you through this offering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give unto the Lord. anybody notice that the youth are serving in the sanctuary today anybody notice that let me tell you something God is moving in our youth they're not just going to Bible study but they're serving the Lord amen and soon we're having our youth winter camp so we're gonna have raffles we're asking people to participate in that if you want to help or maybe sponsor a youth to send them to winter camp uh, get with Coach Kenny. Raise your hand, Coach Kenny. Get with Coach Kenny or Brother Brian or Teresa. Uh, but we're, we want to send, typically we send a whole busload of youth, even more than a busload of youth, to winter camp. And we always believe for a life experience. God really meet them. So you get an opportunity to help out. I want to call some of our pastors and leaders to the altar. After we dismiss, if you need extra prayer, you're encouraged to come up and we will pray for you. If you know anybody who's struggling with insecurity and needs prayer with insecurity, I'm going to be giving the same message tonight at 4.30 at our Carson campus. I encourage you to text somebody. You don't have to show up, but just text somebody the address. Encourage them to come out and get prayed for for whatever that whatever they're struggling with. But also, Pastor Renee is going to be giving her testimony again at 4.30. And I don't know if you know this or not, but at our 4.30 service, many of our young adults worship at our 4.30 service. It's not an exclusive young adult service, but about 60% of them are young adults. So if you know any young adults, you could always bring them and get them connected to other young adults. So let's lift up our hands to the Lord and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers you with favor, may you go tonight with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night for prayer in the sanctuary.